Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Into the 7 o'clock hour we go, Payne and Pendergast. This was um, Brian McTaggart, who covers the Astros for MLB.com, tweeted this yesterday. He, of course, was at the Astros game yesterday. Hunter Brown was pitching. Astros prospect Hunter Brown allowed a single and struck out two batters in the first inning on Monday, but he will not survive the second. He walked all three batters he faced. This is on the heels. Okay, that's so that's McTaggart. This is me talking now. This is on the heels of last week, Seth, when you and I were there, and Hunter Brown had major control issues in that outing as well. He kind of sloughed him off by saying, "You know, my stuff was good. You know, I threw some sliders, and guys weren't swinging at it." Like, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> they may do that in the regular season too. Um, I tweeted this yesterday, and I was accused of fear mongering by a uh, by a listener this morning. Um, I tweeted that. Um, I retweeted McTaggart with this comment. I said, this, Brown's control issues, combined with Lance McCullers' injury is the first crisis for the 2023 Houston Astros. Yeah. Am I fear-mongering by saying this is their first crisis uh, of the you year? You are uh, you are 100% fear-mongering. What are you talking I, about? Yeah, I've, well, I felt like it was a tongue-in-cheek comment because I, I don't, nothing in spring training is crisis. Unless uh, I don't know, you do have a tendency. You get you have a tendency to overreact to some of the spring training stuff, um, and I feel like I feel like it's born out of years and years of understanding how little spring training really matters in terms of the outcome of re- like the the results aren't as important as the process. And I feel like uh, now that you've now that you've actually forsaken that a little bit, you've you've overcorrected in the other direction. I would. Um... I agree with what you're saying about spring training in general. Yeah. What I would say as a counterpoint, so that I'm not painted improperly, quite honestly. <laughs> crisis, is, you said. A crisis is that just specific to these two players, Hunter Brown and Lance McCullers, yeah. it's a pattern. Hunter Brown, that that's his. if he has an Achilles heel, it's that he has control issues from time to time. Mm-hmm. If Lance McCullers has an Achilles heel, it's... Not his heel, but it's his elbow. Yeah, like yeah. It's, 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 yeah. So these are two things that... Uh, These aren't just brand new things. These are two things. And the confluence of that, combined with Verlander no longer being here, combined with this being a team that that, that got to where it was last year, more than anything else, on the strength of its starting rotation, the ability Mm -hmm. to conserve the bullpen, they were able to do that because they had six, at times seven pitchers they could throw out there and feel good about. There's four right now that I feel good about. That's a big difference. You know, once you get to the postseason, four is fine. Right, but this is going to be a more competitive I, division this year. I, I got okay. This is why it's not a crisis. You have four guys that you feel really good about. Okay, that's a that's way more than most major league baseball teams. And I think that there's times I, I feel like 2017 through 2019 spoiled this somewhat because the Astros had it, at times historically great offense or historically great defense or both in those in those seasons. And it got to the point where it felt like, wow, you got to have that or you got no chance at all. When actually, I mean, they, they, they won one meager World Series in that time, Sean. One. It was pathetic. It was embarrassing. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that I, having four really good starting pitchers and then, frankly, Hunter Brown, who's had two appearances so far, um, Lance McCullers, who will be available at some point. But, yes, I agree that that's, that's concerning that – He's already starting off where he is right now. Um, but then after that, I guess it comes down to, you know, does it end up being 
a Brandon Bielak, a Forrest Whitley, a J.P. France, or, or somebody like that, Parker Mashinsky, uh, like as your fifth starter, which still, Sean, if you have four really good starters that you feel good about and one guy that you're trying to figure out or maybe you got to trade for at the deadline, you're still way ahead of the curve. No, I, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not here to say they're going to win 78 games this year because of this. Yeah, but this is yeah. a team that's trying to defend a World Series championship. The margin for error, especially with no more Verlander on this team. I'd be worried about this if it, if Verlander were still on the team. I'd be worried just because this is your this is your top prospect. You know, Hunter yeah. Brown is your top prospect, and Lance McCullers has arm problems again. I, I think it's a. I, I think the word crisis is what got people accusing you of being a fear monger. Yeah. But I don't. You know what? I don't think you're a fear monger because I think that you actually feel that way. Yeah. So it's not like you're sitting up there in, in, in your pulpit trying to sway people in a direction that you feel it shouldn't be swayed. You really feel like people should be out rioting in the streets right now over this. <laughs> No, no, I don't. <laughs> I do not. You do. I, you feel like <laughs> no. you're, you're afraid that people are going to pull their deposits from the Astropolis that they're building down around the stadium. I hope they do. It'll open some spaces up for me. Yeah, Where maybe. are we on that, by the way? Have you talked to your contacts with the Astros? No, the no. I'll, I'll find out. I'll, I'll, I'll find out and, and uh, get an update the, on that. The multi-use retail commercial uh, oh. I don't know, maybe industrial spaces that they're building around yeah. the, the stadium. Yeah. The, the hotel, the renderings are awesome. Yeah, I would like there to be some light industrial. <laughs> Just go ahead, you know, some some tech type stuff. Let's Absolutely. do that. Let's make let's make Houston more of a hub for everything. All right, so um, this is uh, these are some texts to the trailer wheel and frame text page about this. It's Sean fearmongering over this Hunter Brown Hunter Brown control issues combined with Lance McCullers elbow. We've, we're getting it from both sides here. Um, okay. 7799 says, you weren't, Sean. It's a legitimate concern. Lance is down. Hunter is still unproven through a whole season as a starter. You're telling me Whitley and Belak are the safety net? Let me pause right there. Yeah, Seth, you're just casually dropping Forrest Whitley's name into that as some sort of solution. I'm not letting that, I'm not letting that go. And that maniacal laugh isn't helping either. Uh, the guy says, that doesn't make me feel safe at all. Those sound like cocaine bear odds. <laughs> Uh, 6186, Sean, you are not fear-mongering. They need to go get another starting pitcher. Yeah. 4854, here's one in favor of Seth. Good Lord, thank you, Seth. Can you tell the other shows? Jeez. Yeah, I'm a bad baseball sports radio guy because I don't panic. I'm very uh, – last year I I'm was – here. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah, but it's uh, I'm a wet blanket. <laughs> I'm a wet blanket. On, I'm a wet but comforting blanket. I'll I'll wrap you in a blanket. Uh, I'll I'll bring you in from the cold and be like, thank you, Seth, for saving me. But gosh, this is a wet <laughs> blanket, blanket that you wrapped. Soaked. Me in. <laughs> Nothing about this feels as good as it did. <laughs> I said, shut up. Put this lotion on. <laughs> Enjoy your blanket before I bring the pillow Enjoy. out. Enjoy your lotion-soaked blanket. <laughs> if you don't enjoy the blanket, you're going to get the pillow. <laughs> uh, this one says, uh, this is a text of the trailer, Wheel and Frank text page 2161. I think his fear of coconuts is now affecting Sean's analysis of the Astros. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing those coconuts in my sleep, man. I feel people are burned by Odorizzi, too. They feel like, oh, there's no possible way you can improve the pitching staff. Yeah. Great. <laughs> you know what's funny? The expectation level with this with the franchise overall. I need yeah. to remind people, there's a new GM who has not done deals like this. You know, Dana Brown, he's... You know, he's done it's like his fourth week on the job. But there were people replying to my tweet like, oh, I got to go trade for Corbin Burns now. Like, you can yeah. just go get Corbin Burns. Like, yeah, no problem. Just trade. trade for- now, I think Corbin Burns could be the ace for Milwaukee. 
uh, could become available. You know, he's a little sideways with the team over losing his arbitration case, and he won the Cy Young two years ago. The uh, You know, the Astros, they've done a brilliant job of taking a pipeline that was supposedly bereft and barren and getting a lot more out of it than people thought they would. The The problem is still, you know, is – as as the rating services think of your pipeline, so will other teams. And the stock that you have to trade with just isn't as great as it once was. Yeah. You know, there's not a um, there's not okay. a likely boy. Except at the same time, I mean, this is a franchise that went out and got Verlander for just about nothing. Yeah, you know, like they found yeah. a way, they figured out a way. That was with Jeff Luno, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I'm saying, like Dana Brown, like this 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 may become a test for him at some point this year. Is improving the pitching staff or getting it to a level where you feel as good about it as you felt last year when you won the World Series. Getting a lot of react on the trailer wheel and frame text page to uh, to all this. Um, six five five three. Got to run out Forrest and see what he has. Forrest uh, Whitley did pitch two scoreless innings over the weekend. Yeah. So there was that. Yeah, he uh, – I, I, I mean, Forrest Whitley, uh, you know, has – it's not like it's not like he's blowing people away with his stuff or anything. Like I don't think at this point you're trying to justify his draft position. You're just trying to get a viable, healthy pitcher yeah, out of him. Yeah. And I think that that's that's what so far he's shown. If you hadn't had this five last year purgatory of him, not to mention all of the various drama that's gone along with it, because it hasn't just been injuries. It's been a PED suspension. It's been showing up not. Physical in good physical condition during the COVID year. It's been a lot of weird stuff. It's been weight fluctuations. So now it feels so far like, okay, you know what? This might just be a guy that took a while to develop. There hasn't been any drama other than injury in the last couple of years. So he might just, he might actually be a viable number five option. He's going to be a guy who was a first round pick out of high school who's still going to be under team control at the big leagues at like age 32. <laughs> it's going to be wild. Um, a lot of people uh, text uh, – there's people backing up what you said, Seth, is maybe I chose the wrong word. Crisis is yeah. – crisis is kind of a – you know, that that's a that's an extreme word. Um, uh, eight – I'm sorry, 6909, 6964, both saying um, hurdle should have been the word that I used instead of uh, crisis. Oh, first, it is a hurdle. First that is hurdle. exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's that. Um Oh, oh, uh, 0082, Seth is right. We're talking about the fifth and sixth pitchers. Last year, we were worrying about the nine-hole hitter. We are spoiled and fine. I admit we're spoiled. Of course we are. You're trying to we win are, a World Series. We're spoiled, but we also know just from experiences that that you can be the best team in baseball by record and not win a World Series. So there's never there's never a, a spot in a Major League Baseball season where you should feel like, oh, yeah, we'll easily win the World Series with this roster just as it is. Yep. That's what makes it so fun and yet um, so, so gut-numbingly awful, too, yep. is knowing that no matter how good you are, you've got to go through multiple – series to get to the final prize the other thing that has people worked up this this is the, the the article that's trending the sports article that's trending the most on the chronicle right now is the report from uh jim wyatt who writes for the tennessee titans website Longtime yeah. beat writer in tennessee uh who started his own website now he does stuff for the team he has a mailbag that he does every week of titan fans emailing in questions and a, there's a titan fan that asked about the possibility of the titans wearing the oilers uniforms as their throwbacks this year <clears throat> and and Jim Wyatt doubles down on something he had said earlier or said said in 2022 
He says, nothing has changed from what I've said previously. The plan is to wear them for a home game in 2023. The exact game is still TBD, but I've already said I suspect it will be for the game versus the Texans. Wouldn't that make the most sense? I hope this happens for a couple reasons. Seth, as you pointed out earlier, this does have serious blow-up-in-the-face potential for the Tennessee Titans. The other reason I hope it happens is, let's face it, these are two teams that I don't think are going to be very good this year. I think the Texans will be improved, and I love the trajectory that they're on with D'Amico Ryans, but I don't think they're a playoff team yet or anything. We don't even know who's going to play quarterback for this team. I think the Titans are a team that is seriously downtrending. This may be the storyline that buoys what would be a battle between two like five-win teams in December kind of thing. These, yeah. two, these two teams played in Week 16 this year. If they play in Week 16 again next season, this might be the storyline that carries us through that week. You know what That's I mean? Where, yeah, and I, look, the the Titans the Titans could be a beautiful train wreck this year. It might be really bad. I mean, they're they're talking about trading Derrick Henry, or there's reports that they might be considering trading Derrick Henry. Um, you know, the guy who they really uh, between AJ Brown and Derrick Henry. That's what made Ryan Tannehill look like a viable NFL quarterback. That's what made that offensive line, frankly, look better than what it actually was. I, I think the Titans' offensive line was more of a product of Derrick Henry um, than, it, than it was anything else, even, even though they did a good job when he was injured that year. I'll give Deontay Foreman credit for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, this it might be a mess. It's not not as simple as like, oh, hey, we're gonna wear the Oilers jerseys and put it on the Texans. And I I also think this. I think this is a tone-deaf move by the Titans organization itself. As they're trying to raise money for a new stadium, they're going to waltz in the the uniform of the Adams family childhood that means nothing, like absolutely zero, to Tennessee Titans fans. The, the Titans were the Oilers for one year when they played in Memphis in 1997. You know who's nostalgic for that? The Memphis Oilers? Me! And like 17 other guys who played against the Oilers in the Liberty Bowl. One of the trashiest, nastiest stadiums I've ever set foot in. High school through the NFL. Just disgusting. It was like there were open sewers in the locker room. It's pathetic. Pathetic by the Memphis Oilers. That's what they're going to be nostalgic for. My God. The Adams family couldn't be more clueless on this. Then they're going to go get, then they're going to get drubbed in front of their fans watching their team wear, uh, wear, wear a uniform they care nothing about. As, as, as the Adams family also has their hands out, palms up, looking for public money for a stadium, presumably. Hey, would you, um, if you were the Buffalo Bills, would you trade your first round pick for Derrick Henry? He's on the last year of his contract. He's he's on the last year of his contract. Uh, he's he's set to make ten and a half million dollars this year. Yeah. But can you? But they can't run the football other than with Josh Allen. Can you imagine Derrick Henry and Josh Allen I, in the same backfield? Th- this is the problem. It's like it, the running back does not make the entire rushing offense, and the Bills have a hard time, you know, getting anybody to run well. Like the kind of like the two thousand. 2021 uh, Houston Texans. Texans. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the panacea. Like, yes, he'll just like he did in Tennessee. He'll make the guys in front of him look better. But to think that that's what you're going to do is trade for a running back, especially guys got an injury history um, and and has a certain style that you think it's not going to age all that well over time. I don't know, man. I don't think they should. Would not you a tra- first round. W- would you trade yeah. a two? I would trade a two. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a late one for the Bills, but still. 
Uh, I would go with a two. I would go with a two as well. I mean, if you're talking like you got to be, you got to be a really good team to use a draft pick, uh, like a late first round pick, justifiably on a running back these days. So I can't be a a good team using a draft late first round pick to get a veteran guy with an injury history who's already getting paid a lot of money. Yeah, well, I mean, the Niners traded it, and I know they're different style players. They traded a two, a three, and a four for McCaffrey last year, yeah, and it worked. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, so. Um, yeah, just you got me thinking. When they you said also that. did it mid-season. Yep, they did. They did. Uh, all right, Payne and Pendergast with you. Um, today is franchise tag day in the NFL. Um, there are some big potential news stories. Could a deal be coming for one quarterback, a deal that's way too big? And what happens with Lamar Jackson? We will know by the end of the day today, a little franchise tag day summary and how this impacts the Texans as well. That is next. Sports Radio 610 presents... Payne and Pendergast. All right, it's franchise tag day. Deadline is 3 p.m. for NFL teams to put the franchise tag on their marquee free agents. And not every team uses it. Typically, there's you know 8 to 10 guys, maybe not even, who get the franchise tag. So far, the ones that I've seen, I'm missing any, let me know, Seth. Tony Pollard is getting the running back. Tony Pollard is getting the franchise tag from the Cowboys. Evan Ingram is getting the franchise tag tight end from Jacksonville. And then Josh Jacobs, running back in Las Vegas, he is getting the franchise tag as well. I think those are the only three so far, but there's obviously the two big ones are Lamar Jackson and Daniel Jones. Yeah, and um, Josh, Jacobs, Josh, Josh Jacobs would have been a nice enticement for Aaron Rodgers if the Raiders were actually in on Aaron Rodgers. Yep. That's been one of the more disappointing storylines to, to fall apart early in the offseason is that the Raiders just aren't interested in Aaron Rodgers. He was, so. That was the heavy favorite for Aaron Rodgers just a couple That's of weeks right. ago. It would have made a lot of sense yeah. in a lot of ways. Would have been fun. I wonder if, um, yeah, anyway. So right now, by the way, for those of you who missed it, it, like at midnight, Trey Wingo reported that the Jets had talked with Aaron Rodgers yesterday and that Aaron Rodgers is open to the idea of coming to, he said New York. It's actually New Jersey, but whatever. <laughs> well, we um, we need a Rogers. We need a Rogers appearance on McAfee today, uh, just to get some clarity from the man himself on this stuff. Did he not go on? He, has he been on since his darkness retreat? I don't think he has. He went on that podcast that you found that uh, Aubrey Marcus. Yeah, it was just a little too long for my liking. Uh, over an hour. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's one of these like Joe Rogan style things where yeah. they talk and talk and talk forever. I yeah, mean, I, I just want enough. To, I've got I, I've got life to live. Yeah. I just want the one quote, please. Can you just can you can you just give me a, a, a timestamp for that? Um, I think the big story today, as far as franchise tags go, Seth, is Lamar Jackson um, in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson who just played out his fifth year option with the Ravens, so he's been there five years. He is set to become a free agent quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson rarely hit free agency, if ever. They get traded, but they rarely hit free agency. Um, so the expectation is if the two sides don't get a deal done by 3 o'clock today, he will get the franchise tag. Lamar Jackson, who's representing himself, he has no agent, he wants the Deshaun Watson deal. He wants nearly a quarter of a billion dollars fully guaranteed. The Ravens don't want to give that to him. I don't blame the Ravens. I don't think you can go chasing things that the Cleveland Browns are doing at all. What will be interesting is, and I don't want to get too super nerdy on this, but there's two types of franchise tags. There's an exclusive one where nobody can negotiate with Lamar Jackson. He's going to get right. $45 million and he is the property of the Ravens um, once he signs that, that tender. And, and if he doesn't sign the tender, he's got to hold out. 
Uh, there's a non-exclusive one that's far less expensive. It's only $32 million, but other teams can negotiate with Lamar Jackson as if, as if he were a free agent. The price of doing that for the Ravens is they would get two first round picks if Lamar signed somewhere else and they would have the right to match. So let's right. say the Jets, let's say the Jets are the team that decides that they want to give Lamar Jackson a fully guaranteed 200 million dollar deal. He signs an offer sheet, brings it back to the Ravens. The Ravens have the right to match it. If they don't match it, they get two first round picks from the Jets and Lamar Jackson becomes a New York Jet. Yeah. Jeremy yeah. Fowler is saying that he is hearing there is a a good chance that they may use the non-exclusive tender on Lamar Jackson, which would be fascinating. It would be it would be fascinating. I think some teams look at tactics like that as a way to say, all right, listen, we can't agree on a price. Let's go out and at least see what you would get in the open market. Absolutely. You know, and then it's uh, it's not on us, it's not on you. From the player's perspective, you would say, well, that's not really the open market. That's like what a team is willing to pay me after also giving up two first-round picks. But – uh, to which the Ravens might say, "Well, the Browns gave up uh, a bunch of a bunch of high picks for Deshaun Watson, and then gave him the contract you desire. So if you think you're as good as Deshaun Watson and deserve as much, then there must be some team out there that wants to give you 230 million dollars after giving up multiple first round picks. And if if it's not out there, then so be it. it I mean, obviously you don't frame it or phrase it quite like that, but." It, it sometimes it's a way to at least break the ice on getting something done. By my count, Seth, there's eight teams that still need a quarterback. You know, after yeah. after Geno Smith re-signed with Seattle yesterday, and after Derek Carr signed with New Orleans, I kind of went through all 32 teams and said, okay, these are the teams that have a solution to quarterback. And even teams like the Packers, I don't have on this list because we know if it's not Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be Jordan Love, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think the Colts, the Texans, the Panthers, probably. They're going to draft quarterbacks, maybe even the Raiders. But I'll put the Raiders on this list. Uh, the Jets, the Raiders, the Commanders, the Falcons, and the Buccaneers. I think those are all teams that could make a run at Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 think- and they'll have to find the cap space to do it. But I think what we learned with Derek Carr yesterday with the Saints, who are $25 million over the cap and agreed to a deal with Derek Carr for $40 million a year, that teams will for a quarterback teams will find ways to make it happen. Yeah, um, I, I the Panthers who are uh, many people's favorites for trading up to number one overall right now um, seem like a guy like they seem like a team that might be likely to want to take Lamar Jackson too. Mm-hmm. I think for Dave Tepper, Dave Tepper is getting tired. Dave Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, has already been cool with trading for guys that many other people think are completely kaput. You know, Sam Darnold, the biggest one for the amount of money they spent on him. But I think that for taking a guy like Lamar Jackson, whose biggest risk is just injuries more so than anything, you can get, you're going to get at least a certain level out of play out of him when he's healthy. He might not reach his ultimate potential as a passer, but maybe he does. And especially if you feel like Frank Reich is the guy to take him there, then that, I, it feels like the Panthers would be most likely. I think with Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, you have to remember, he did draft Tim Tebow once, uh, who was about as non-Tom Brady-like in almost every way uh, as, as you could possibly. Like, Tim, Tim Tebow is not a gifted passer. Lamar Jackson's a much better passer than Tim Tebow is. Um, but Tebow had all that, whatever, the it factor, the, the, the athletic ability, which wasn't as much as people thought it was. Um, for whatever reason, Josh McDaniels 
drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. And um, I did, like Lamar Jackson is a very much juiced up version of Tim Tebow. Do you think the Colt or the Colts, the uh, the Ravens use the non-exclusive, the cheaper tender on him? And, so what and, was and, that? And, there, was, there was a report that they were going to? Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Okay. I'm looking at it on our monitor in the studio here. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN said that they, that people believe there's a there's a chance, a good chance, that uh, – and obviously that's a subjective term, whatever good chance means. Yeah. Um, but there's a chance that the Ravens could use the non-exclusive tender on him. And essentially – Expose him to what amounts to restricted free agency, right? They have the, the right yeah. to match it. I think there's a. I I would not be surprised if they do that. I think it does make sense if they've been at this impasse that they're at, and maybe if there has been no movement whatsoever. The hard part in all of this is okay. What is it? What is the Lamar Jackson representing himself dynamic look like? Does he just go radio silent? You know, is there. Like, cause with, with agents, usually the agents that represent big-time guys, like if the team calls to check in with them, they're going to call back. They might have a conversation, you know, rooted in some kind of common understanding. There's going to be deals done with other clients that they might have on the team. Like, sometimes with players, they just flat out, you know, we, we heard stories about Laramie Tunsil negotiating with Bill O'Brien which sounded basically like Laramie Tunsil just saying, like, nope, call me when you got something interesting, you know, or something that actually doesn't – it just – so there's just – I don't know what the communication has actually been like between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. The, the Ravens might be at a point where they say, all right, we gotta, we got to stoke something. we got to make something happen. If you were the Jets, would you rather give up two first-round picks for Aaron Rodgers under his current deal or for Lamar Jackson – under a fully guaranteed two hundred million dollar deal, I'd rather give it up for Lamar Jackson. Really? I don't. Yeah, I don't. Unless I'm a team like the Raiders, I like unless I'm the Raiders, I don't want Aaron Rodgers. I, I don't think like he's he's not in it for a rebuild. Um, I I feel like he's just doesn't have the same capacity or tolerance or patience for uh, for nonsense <laughs> anymore. And sometimes part of being on a team that's, that's trying to turn around is there's a little bit of nonsense you yeah. have to deal with. Um, and I just don't know. I think Aaron Rodgers still has plenty of ability. I think he was, um, you know, his, he still showed that he was physically capable of making a lot of the great throws last year, but it's not like he has that same system and everything already and in place and with the Jets. I would rather, yeah, I'd rather go with Lamar Jackson. I, uh, I think at the end of the day that the Ravens still do the exclusive tag on him and just $45 million and he's ours and he's just yeah. going to have to deal with it. But if they did the non-exclusive for $32 million and teams can all of a sudden start negotiating with a recent MVP quarterback that's still in his mid-20s, that, man... I mean, it's already kind of a juicy offseason. Lamar Jackson being a free agent, even a restricted free agent like he would be under the franchise tag, is a super, super interesting storyline, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, that would be really, really cool. All right. Um, we'll get to more with the franchise tag when we get to headlines. Daniel Jones is the other big one that we'll get to with the Giants. They're trying to hammer out a deal today. Um, that, how, man, I don't well, know. The Giants have a bunch of cap space. I mean, that's the other part of it. The Giants, the, the, you got to remember the Giants – they weren't supposed to be good last year. Yeah, that's true. At all. Like they were that was their reset year. Brian Dayball might have screwed up and been just too good to the point where uh, they didn't get as good a draft pick and they also uh are might might have had 
gotten too much out of Daniel Jones. Yeah, I mean, they may, they may were, they maybe were good enough to where they're going to get suckered into giving Daniel Jones a franchise quarterback deal, and he's not a franchise quarterback. That's, yeah. that's the uh, that's the poison right there. All right, we'll get to headlines uh, in the next segment, and also it's, it is uh, almost 740. So your daily mock draft injection. We look at the draft through the prism of mock drafters everywhere. Today, Nate Davis of USA Today gives his take on what the Texans, and I kind of like this one that Nate Davis is doing for USA Today. Your mock draft injection for the day is next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, Payne and Pendergast, your daily mock draft injection, people. Get in here and get the vitamins that you need to get through draft season. Um, Thanks to Payne and Pendergast. USA Today, we've not done one from USA Today yet. Nate Davis... Uh, of USA Today has his latest mock draft on the heels of the combine, and he, like many, thinks that a bidding war is going to break out for some of these QBs after the QBs, after the QBs all seem to up their stock in different <laughs> ways. I, I don't understand this. I saw a guy from ESPN, or uh, no, I'm sorry, CBSSports.com. I think Josh Edwards was his name, and they seem to think that all these quarterbacks doing so well at the combine, Seth. Because yeah. they all, I think they all did Green Arrow up for different reasons. Richardson, he did, he knocked the drills out of the ballpark even more than we thought. Levis yeah. showed off his cannon. You know, C.J. Stroud had what some call the best throwing exhibition they've seen. And Bryce Young, he was already number one, and he didn't do anything to to knock himself off that perch. I think that's bad for the Bears. There's people out there like, oh, these quarterbacks. This is going to set off a bidding war. These people don't understand supply and demand. If they're all doing really, really well and they're all viewed as top five to top ten quarterbacks, it's more likely the teams aren't going to want to give up draft capital to move up. They may want to move up well, if there's only one left, you know. Yeah. But I, I don't know, though, because I think it turns into – I think there might have been more people that thought that Levis and Richardson would fall to nine or later – where now they might feel that okay, we got to get up there. We got to get up there to get one of these guys. Maybe I, like I think they're. I think I think teams were already pretty. I guess even mind. Uh, they 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 felt like uh, maybe that all these guys were equivalent to each other in different ways. You know, each with positives, each with negatives, but that they might have had relatively the same overall grade on all these guys. That they weren't too worked up about it. Where now. Having seen, and these are the two things. One is I think that C.J. Stroud gained some credibility just in being seen in person next to Bryce Young. Because um, more than – I, I've seen multiple, multiple quotes about executives now and coaches especially, guys that necessarily haven't been out there scouting these guys, seeing Bryce Young in person and being kind of freaked out by how small he was. And likewise, but in the opposite direction – People are genuinely blown away by Anthony Richardson's stature because he's he's like a bigger, more athletic Cam Newton. He's faster than Cam Newton. He's 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 probably the same body weight, but more physically impressive as Cam Newton. Um, there are a lot of things about Anthony Richardson between his size and athleticism and his frame that people I think just might they they fell in love with and uh, like are gushing about it. Okay, I will say this then about the quarterbacks all kind of moving up right now. As of right now, that yeah. can all change. But if they, if people feel there's three or four good quarterbacks, it undeniably hurts the Bears. It hurts the – the Bears' ideal scenario is there's one that has really separated himself and there's the bidding war at one to go get that guy. 
if there is a range now, if there's a window, you remember how yeah. you talked about how Casario likes to look at the draft, like yeah. the, like where there's pockets, and if we get in this pocket, we can get one of those guys. I think it might make Arizona's pick at three more valuable than the Bears that these guys are all getting on sort of an even footing. These quarterbacks, if teams I don't, will... yeah, I, I mean, because the, the problem is though, I, I think sometimes you run into a hazard when you start thinking that there's like an actual market out there or that it's efficient or that it's uh, like somehow rooted in like what the average consensus is on guys. All it takes is one team to really, really like one of those guys. So I think the fact that they all had good combines, it might be that maybe it was enough for them for one team that was intrigued by Anthony Richardson to go over the top for Anthony Richardson. Or there might be another guy that was like, ah, I kind of yeah, thought maybe. about C.J. Stroud, but boy, now I really like C.J. Stroud. So I think the – the overall quality is gonna does create just a sense of desperation to get that guy. That's a fair point. Maybe I'm treating it too much like a normal market, and it's not normal. If that's your point, yeah. and, I, and that's valid, I think that's perfectly valid. Um, all right, this uh, this Nate Davis draft in USA Today has the Colts trading up to number one to draft Bryce Young. So the Texans are on the clock at two. They stay put, as many GMs think they're going to do. And with the second pick in the Nate Davis USA Today mock draft, they select C.J. Stroud quarterback Ohio State we're seeing more and more of this here's what Nate Davis has to say he was uh, all confidence up at the podium in Indy lamenting his two losses to quote that team up north Michigan said I feel like I could have won Heisman's back-to-back if I won those two games and he may not be wrong about that by the way Um, given his sophistication as a passer he would hardly be a consolation prize if he follows young and could certainly wind up eclipsing him he is accurate he's productive he's athletic um, but has been inclined to extend plays to throw rather than break the pocket. He admitted Friday he should probably tuck the ball and run a bit more. He was spectacular, Stroud was, in his final game for the Buckeyes in the semifinal loss to Georgia, passing for 348 yards and four touchdowns against a Bulldogs defense that is almost NFL caliber. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> he could be. He could, okay, the last part here, Seth. He could yeah. be the man to stabilize a Texans franchise that has essentially been in free fall for more than three years. Can C.J. Stroud stabilize the Houston Texans? I don't know if C.J. Stroud single-handedly can stabilize the the franchise. I get nervous about C.J. Stroud's really poor performance under pressure, other than like one game. Like I, I'm less impressed by C.J. Stroud pulling it together versus Georgia than I am concerned about the fact that when he got pressure from bad defenses, decidedly non-NFL caliber defenses, he was not nearly as good. I mean, the difference between him under pressure and him in a clean pocket is a very, very huge difference compared to other prospects. So, um, that yeah, I, I do believe that he does have very, very good ball placement. I think he's very intelligent. I think he does a lot of things really, really well. He just hasn't really shown an ability to overcome bad circumstances consistently, and he was playing on a team where he rarely saw bad circumstances. So um, I guess that's this is the classic where playing for Ohio State, it's not his fault that his team was so good, but it kind of hurts him a little bit. Um, he could have helped himself by being better when he was pressured yeah. throughout his career. It's just I'm, um, I'm, I'm not as impressed by his – like his overall competence and skill at just flat out playing quarterback as I am as Bryce with Bryce Young, but I'm also I'm nervous about Bryce Young's size. Like all these all these guys have drawbacks. Yeah, it's the ironic part of this is all the things you're saying about Stroud and things being kind of perfect in that as perfect as can be in that Ohio State ecosystem are all things that I used to say 
for years and probably will say again about Alabama, but this past yeah. season wasn't one of those seasons. Right, In a weird right. way, Bryce Young is easier to evaluate more recently than C.J. Stroud is because yeah. Bryce Young had to drag that team to the 10 or 11 wins it got this year. This was not one of Nick Saban's better Alabama teams. Plus, and I would just say, though, too, I mean, if C.J. Stroud played football the way Bryce Young does, I would be really, really excited about him because there, there is a, a casual competence, um, a focus on the very minute details with Bryce Young that you don't see with C.J. Stroud or any of these other prospects. Um, I think there's a deftness to his, his fakes, his backfield mechanics, um, like carrying out his fakes. The deceptive, the deception part of the game. Bryce Young is just way more advanced than any of these guys. He just he looks like a genuine point guard back there, and that's what makes me nervous about C.J. Stroud. Is that when I watch these two play in contrast with each other, including from a clean pocket, it's just night and day that Bryce Young just flat out looks the part more so than C.J. Stroud, who looks he looks like he's playing football by numbers. You know, he looks like okay, this is what I do, and then this is what I do, and then I go here, and then I throw to the first round draft pick wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, I've got. I, like, even – and again, this isn't his fault, but Stroud, Stroud, Stroud had probably five first-round wide receivers over these past two years. So even in saying that he goes through progressions or throws with anticipation, it's a lot easier – when you can expect that a guy's going to be open, you know, to throw with anticipation. The decision-making isn't as hard. And that's where I just see where he – there's certain things that Bryce Young does where he makes it look very, very easy. C.J. Stroud, to me, he makes playing quarterback look more difficult yeah. than it should be. He, uh, he, he spent the last two years throwing to the 10th pick in last year's draft, yeah. the 11th pick in last year's draft, a guy in Jackson Smith and Jigba who's probably going to be a first-round pick this year. Yeah, and the best of all those isn't even any of those three guys. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. You know, yeah. like so. He's, he's, there's three guys who are either have been or going to be first round picks, and the best one is still in college for for one more year. All right, let's get to the twelfth pick in the Nate Davis USA Today mock draft with the twelfth pick, the Houston Texans select. <laughs> Cue up the fight song. Tight end Michael Mayer, University of Notre Dame, Dulac. Uh, this is what he says about Mayer. He catches 138 receptions over the last two years. He blocks. He scores 16 touchdowns. And the 2022 All-American, 2022 All-American is huge, 6'5", 249. Is there a better way to help Damian Pierce and a young quarterback, especially since Mayer moves plenty well with his now-timed 4'7 speed? Hmm. You know I'm a card-carrying Michael Mayer. 4'7 sounds kind of... Turtle like these days. I, I will say this about Mayer, and I, I'm I'll be honest about Mayer. Um, I don't know. I don't know that he's worth the twelfth pick. I think he's a first rounder. But you look at some of these other tight ends. I mean, this <laughs> the kid from Georgia was it Darnell? Is it Washington? That that pick basically picked up the blocking sled and threw it <laughs> for the most part. And he ran like a four four six, and he's gigantic with long limbs. Um, the Kincaid kid out of Utah, Musgrave out of Oregon State. Yeah. They all look more athletic and probably are more athletic than Mayer, who's a good athlete and is really good at catching contested balls, but he doesn't have that top end, the top end traits. Yeah. Um, he's just super solid. And I think he's, as far as the Texans go, Seth, and you can assess this better than me since you played against this offense so many, so many years in the NFL, 
he's a really good inline blocker, and he's yeah. he may fit better what the Texans want to do with their tight ends. Right, 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 and um, and yet I when you look at the backgrounds of both D'Amico Ryan's and uh, Nick Casario. I mean, Nick Casario's best tight end, or excuse me, the Patriots' best tight ends when Casario were, was up there was a, a second rounder and a third rounder in Gronkowski and Hernandez. Um, with D'Amico Ryans, he played with Owen Daniels, a fourth round pick. Fourth round pick, yeah. He played, uh, you know, George Kittle, fifth round pick. Yeah. These guys have, have managed to get the most out of guys without having to reach for them in the draft. So I don't know. Um, my, like, it. It feels like with Meyer especially, that's a guy that they look at and they might like a lot, but that they've been able to find guys like him in the second round and later. So without the extreme athleticism, I don't think they spend a first-round pick on a tight end. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his just because of where he went to school, and he seems like a great kid. The word out of Indy this week was he just, he just crushed it with all of his interviews with teams. Did he um, give anything to a homeless person the way Lamar Jackson did? No, I, well, not that uh, we know of, but uh, he uh, he probably. Oh no, that was Malik, Malik Willis. Willis. Yeah, that's you're thinking right, of Malik right. Willis. Yeah. Um, uh, this is my hope for Michael Mayer. I hope that the glut of tight ends forces him down to the 33rd overall pick that the Texans have. I w- yeah. I would feel better about him at 33. I'll be honest. I don't feel great taking him at 12, but I would feel really good if he were taken at 33. And I do think the Texans are going to draft a tight end in the first two days. I think they have five picks in the first two days, and I think they're going to use one of them on a tight end. Will you, if he is taken in, taken in the second round, will you then craft some kind of Rudy narrative around him? Yes. Like the guy that Chip nobody on the believed in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to request that he treat every practice like it's the GD Super Bowl, like everybody said Rudy. He's going to be getting in fights with uh, defensive linemen because he's just going too hard. Yep. That's yeah. right. That's right. Jerry Hughes. Uh, when later, when it becomes a movie, Jerry Hughes will be the old grizzled vet. Yes. That, uh, you know, gets in a fight with him the first day, tells him he's got to learn how to play in the NFL. But yes. by the end, Jerry Hughes is his, his staunchest advocate. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there's a janitor that he'll befriend along the way that he lets he lets Mayor sleep in his uh, you know boiler room down there or whatever. Absolutely. So like he finds ja- he finds Jack Easterby like huddled up in some alley somewhere <laughs> yes. on one of those cold Houston nights where it's like 48 degrees and uh, willing. Yes, he's, he's got 18 blankets over him down there in Midtown somewhere. That's right. And, and Mayor takes Jack Easterby in and gives him soup and feeds him. Yes. I, yeah. love, I love where you're going with the script, Seth. Yes. Teaches them how to tell good stories. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Jokes. <laughs> There'd be like a montage of Michael Meyer uh, like working on, with Jack Easterby on how to tell a story and like what a punchline yeah. is and everything. Jokes that you shouldn't tell. Yeah. yeah. Put your jazz hands up like this after the joke <laughs> and say waka waka right afterwards.